Hi, I'm Nikki O'Brien and this is Quintessential Being. This podcast is a heart-driven passion project of mine. It's about sharing stories, journeys of self-discovery, giving you actionable tools, shifting perspectives. It's about bringing you anything and everything that will help you understand yourself, love who you are right now, and deepen the connection with those around you. So thanks for joining me and let's jump in. Hayley McGee is a certified codependency recovery coach. She helps people find freedom by setting clear boundaries and speaking their truth in relationship with friends, family, colleagues and lovers. Hayley's made codependency recovery her vocation. She truly speaks from experience. And if you've had a tendency to put others' needs before your own, if you've felt like you're a yes person or a people pleaser, or if you're a little further along the self-discovery path and have been exploring the edge of your betrayal to yourself and just how deep that may go, Hayley can help. So excited to jump into this one today. And trust me when I say you're going to want to take notes. Welcome Hayley McGee. I am so thrilled to have you on the show today talking boundaries. <laughs> hey Nikki, thank you so much for having me. I am equally excited to talk about boundaries. Great oh, conversation talk. I know, I'm so excited. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. I have just wanted to talk about this for so long and I actually read one of your articles on Tiny Buddha about how we need to feel to heal and I reached out to you because I just know we needed to hear more of what you had to say. Oh awesome yeah thank you so much I think it's you know that'll come up even during our conversation today about the importance of feeling what we're feeling in order to move forward boundaries included. Oh, it's such an important thing isn't it? So maybe first of all, we can talk about what are boundaries to start with? Mm, perfect question. Yeah, boundaries, right? I know boundaries seem to be getting a lot of tension in the, uh, you know, mainstream media, you know, the modern like psychology movements today, but it's like, what are they? Yeah. Um, there's so many different definitions and the one, the simplest one that I like best is that um, boundaries are what separate me from you. They are the safe container in which we live and um, boundaries, yeah, they sort of separate us from others, whether it's our possessions, our bodies, our feelings, our emotions. I like to think of them as a, you know, physical or invisible outline or silhouette around us. Mm, That's a really nice way of putting it. Thank you. And why are they good for us? Is it just to keep us safe? I feel like there, there's a million reasons. Um, <laughs> but for me, given my work and experience, I really like framing boundaries as um, sort of the tools that enable us to maintain and advocate for a strong sense of self. Mm. Um, if we're thinking of boundaries as like this, almost like this house or this safe container in which we live, um, they enable us to just have a really strong sense of who we are um, without letting others' perceptions of who we are, or what they want, um, get too close. You know, so they keep us safe and they keep others out as much as they keep ourselves in. Um, and I'm sure we'll unpack that idea further, but that's, you know, one of the main reasons why I think boundaries are so important. 
And what if you've never grown up with boundaries? Like you say that it keeps your sense of self safe, but um, I'm sure a lot of people identify with either being a people pleaser or saying yes when they really want to say no. What if you aren't good at putting up boundaries to keep yourself safe? What does it feel like then? Oh, my God. I resonate with this question so strongly, this idea of sort of not being able or not having access to your own boundaries. Mm. Um, this, this was a huge part of my story that actually led me to do the work I do now. But I remember my whole, you know, the beginning of my whole life, really, I always just found it almost impossible to say no. Um, it was almost as if the barrier were physical, you know, when it came to turning down offers or people asking for help or even like strangers at the bar asking, you know, do you want to drink? You know, being unable to set that boundary and say no can feel, um, it can feel like a physical block. Like, wow, the words are not coming out, (laughs) you know? Um, or it can just feel like a muscle that you haven't yet had the ability to strengthen. Mm. It can feel scary and overwhelming. And often for those of us who are people pleasers or recovering people pleasers, it's often, sometimes it feels safer or easier to just give in or say yes, because it's all we know. there's a couple of things coming to me right now. I'm just wondering if you can articulate, because I I resonate with this um, as well, and I love that what you said there about being a recovering people pleaser, because that's how I like to term myself um, at the moment. I'm just wondering if you can go a little bit further into articulating the emotion and the why behind not being able to say no, like what thoughts and feelings are coming up? Because for me, it's really about like, it's almost like I had to put the other person first. I had to put their Mm -hmm. needs and wants above mine. Um, I don't know whether it had a sense of, you know, boiled down to a sense of belonging or needing to be liked or accepted. Um, But I just want to sort of articulate the emotions and the feelings behind, behind why some people find it hard to say no. Yeah, rock on. That's such a powerful point. And it's great to have that understanding of why, because if we do, we can summon self-compassion for ourselves in these moments. And there are a bunch of reasons why this might be the case. I know in my experience personally and with clients, um, we're, we're likely to have trouble asserting ourselves or speaking up for our own needs especially if we grew up in environments where our needs or emotions were not validated or accepted Mm -hmm. or where we maybe even punished for um, speaking our truth or saying what we needed. Um, If we were raised in environments that taught us that it was safer or more comfortable to put others' needs before our own, that's how we grow up learning how to relate in the world. Um, and there's, you know, there are a million ways this can be the case, whether we had parents or caregivers who had everything from active addictions to narcissism to even just some degree of emotional immaturity. This can result in us learning that it's our role um, to make others comfortable. And that's the only way that we can keep ourselves comfortable and safe is to do the same for others. Um, and so it's just fascinating to think about how those environments affect us even years after those behaviors are useful to us. Um, we may still carry this deep subconscious belief that in order to, like you said, in order to belong or to be liked, um, we have to really go out of our way to subvert our own needs and prioritize others. Mm, thank you, Haley. That was an amazing answer. I just, isn't human behavior so fascinating? <laughs> 
it's wild. It's it's so wild. And even, you know, there are these ideas of like learned helplessness yes. even, which is, you know, if you've been in like some sort of traumatic situation growing up, um, you learn that the safest bet, instead of trying to control your external environment, because you've learned that you cannot, so instead you try to control your inner environment. And so you might shut down, you might say yes to things you don't want to say yes to, all as a means of keeping ourselves safe. And so the reason I think, I'm so glad you asked this question, Nikki, is because I don't know about you, but I know when I struggled to speak up for myself and set boundaries, I got like really angry at myself. Like I'd be like, why can't I do this? And I would get really mad. And so understanding the why allows us to hold ourselves with compassion um, and work out those muscles in a safe environment. Totally. And uh, like even now, like I'll literally, if I'm holding a boundary and like this is, this stuff's really new for me. If I hold a boundary with someone um, and that boundary is really hard for me to to hold like oh I'll definitely go away and have a massive cry an emotional you know um reaction to that and then I have to kind of settle myself back down and be like and it's hard not to beat yourself up about like you said like why can't I why can't I do this easily it's like well I didn't I didn't learn this stuff you don't learn it in school (laughs) exactly as much as you probably should right yeah totally um, before you mentioned a little bit about your story, would you, if you feel comfortable, would you tell us a little bit more about your background and story, Haley? Yeah, happy to. Totally happy to. Yeah, I mean, gosh, I know for me growing up, um, sort of people-pleasing and perfectionism really went hand in hand. Um, I think I learned from a young age that I was sort of defined by or received attention from uh, my accomplishments. You know what I mean? So from a young age, that was sort of my motivator, which is sort of like people pleasing on a grand scale, right? Societal people pleasing. It's like, all right, I'll be liked by others if I'm able to do these things that make me respectable in other people's eyes. And for a long time, um, I sort of continued in that track And for me, the light bulb really came on. Like I learned about my tendencies toward people pleasing and codependency um, after um, a breakup from a serious partner. And in his absence, um, I just remember feeling obliterated and pretty much without a sense of identity. And I remember like I looked around at my life and I was like, oh, my God, where did I go? Um, these things like my job, my surroundings, even my friends, these don't really capture the person I really want to be. And in that moment, that's when I started researching and looking up, you know, what is codependency? Why do we lose ourselves and our partners? Why do we have trouble speaking up for ourselves, ourselves? And, um, that's how I learned some of this language. And I really decided to do a deep dive into this world of how do we recover from codependency? How do we learn to put ourselves first? Um, And it just sparked this massive, you know, multi-year journey in me where, you know, I just realized how many feelings I had been repressing, Mm. whether it was anger, resentment, sadness. I was like, whoa, I have a lot in me and it's all coming (laughs) up now that I'm giving it permission to surface. And yeah, that was kind of the the pivotal moment for me. And so, you know, years later, I decided to um, go into coaching because I had sort of witnessed the incredible benefits and liberation that came as a result of learning to put yourself first and speak your truth. Um, and yeah, I mean, that was kind of my trajectory. And so now this is my work and, um, 
I work with people around the world on this exact issue and it's really cool. And, uh, it's really humbling to witness people taking these same strides and learning to speak from a place of alignment and authentic truth. Mm, I bet it is. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that part of yourself with us. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for asking. It's awesome to share. And I'm sure, you know, the wild thing about this work too, is just even talking to you and hearing some of your story. Um, it's just really amazing to remember that this difficulty and challenge of speaking up for ourselves and living from our center, it's really, it's hard for so many people and we're not alone in this process. Oh, it really is. Let's talk about identity for a second because you mentioned that um, just before and I feel like unless you've been in some sort of recovery program or a cultured that way, we just don't understand the significance of identity. So can you break down the importance of that for us, like at its relationship to boundaries? Ooh, totally. Yes. Great question. I mean, I really feel like in order to set boundaries effectively, having a strong sense of identity is kind of a prerequisite Mm. because like, like we said before, right. If we're thinking of boundaries as this sort of outline that protects ourselves, right. We need to know what it is that we are protecting. Mm -hmm. What are we keeping in? What are we advocating for through these boundaries? And so that's why I think understanding or having a a strong self-concept is important here. Mm. And see this all weaves together because for those of us who were taught to be people pleasers, we may have been actively conditioned to define our identity based on our relationships to others. And so doing the work of asking, okay, who am I really? Um, What are my passions and values? What are my hobbies? That is work. And for a lot of folks in the codependency recovery world, it takes time and effort and quiet Mm. to really learn to excavate that truth from beneath those layers of people pleasing. Um, It's valuable work, but um, identity is sort of that necessary prerequisite to set boundaries that keep us firm and safe. Yeah, totally. So can you tell us what it feels like when one of our boundaries has been violated if we're not used to um, putting them up or identifying our boundaries? Mm, Absolutely. So I think I can speak from personal experience and, you know, some of my clients' experience, but a huge um, sort of like signpost, Mm. a blinking light that's like boundaries needed. (laughs) Red flag. (laughs) It's like, there we go. Cool. So those signposts, um, for me, they manifest as resentments. Yes. So I, I really feel like a great way to know you need to set a boundary is when you find yourself being resentful towards someone else for something. This could be anything, right? It could be like, oh, you know, Bob borrowed $20 and never paid it back. Or, man, I really wish that you know, so-and-so hadn't gotten in my personal space last night. Like these resentments, these icky angry feelings that get stored inside of us are actually extremely useful information Mm. because what they say is something of mine was imposed upon, whether it was my material possessions, my body, my spiritual beliefs, whatever my emotions. And from that place, we're able to say, all right, this resentment shows that I need to set a boundary here. What type of distance or space would enable me to feel more safe? Mm. And so using that information, we're able to craft boundaries. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, Nikki, too. Like in your experience, what sensations or, you know, blinking lights 
have been your boundary signals. Yeah, like um, I think resentment, like when you said resentment, I was like, yeah, wow, that's a huge one. And one actually I probably hadn't um, thought about too much before. What The things that come up for me, definitely anger, um, some shame or guilt around um, and like, oh, it's just so hard to unpack that emotion as well when a boundary has been violated. Like I think you really have to sit with it and 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 sift through what's going on internally because I feel like you know we've, we've been talking about there's lots of layers and I so resonate with your story of you know people pleasing and perfectionism like that um, as a motivator was definitely um, how I identified myself so um, yeah I really think we're um, in a sense you know walking some of the same journey in that way so yeah like I um, I get a lot of anger around when when boundaries have been violated um, and yeah like directed at myself I think for not for not being able to stand up and say no and for it not coming easily either you know <laughs> yes oh my god totally I relate to that anger so well and I think that I really appreciate something you just shared about the concept of needing to take time to figure out what's going on internally. Mm. Um, that's critical. And mm. I love that you said that because I think once we learn about boundary setting, the expectation is like, great, now I'm just going to go and set all these boundaries and it's going to be easy. Yes. And actually, if, if we've been taught to repress our feelings, um, it can actually take hours or even days before we realize a boundary has been crossed. Yes. I know that's been true for me. Like so I've had true. a boundary crossed and sometimes it takes me three days full of like reflecting and journaling and just existing before I'm able to access some of that anger. And before I'm like, wait a second, um, that really wasn't okay. And I need to address this now. Thank and you. I think you'll notice me saying this a lot, like with exercise, with practice, as we build that muscle, that turnaround time becomes less and less. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. Cause I, I think, um, yeah, like you said, if you're not, if you're not used to this, it like, it really can, you don't even know why you're having the emotion until you sit down, sit with it for a while later and go, Oh, like that, you know, it was like, you have to go back to the trigger point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And sort of unpack that and get to the core. Yeah. Um, and if I can, if I can share one thing, you spoke earlier to um, sort of like setting a boundary and then having a good cry after, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like having an emotional reaction. And I just wanted to um, honor that because that is totally my experience too. Oh, thank um, you. Yeah, like I have, I had this extremely funny memory. Like right when I was starting to set boundaries, I remember. I, a housemate of mine at the time made a sort of rude comment about something and it really offended me. And I was so, I was amazed because I felt this anger well up in me and I turned to him in real time. And I said, you know, I said something to the effect of it was really inappropriate that you made that comment. Um, I'm really hurt by that. It was a simple thing. And I went up to my bedroom to sort of process. And I swear I broke down in like hysteric sobbing because yeah. I felt so, so mean. Yes. <laughs> I was like, I'm awful. I can't believe I did that. And the yes. funny part is then four minutes later, I run downstairs and I knock on his door and I'm like, listen, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have said that. So I totally redacted the boundary. And then 10 minutes later, I went back and reasserted it. <laughs> it was so funny. I felt totally ridiculous. But then later I realized like, this is the process. Like this is learning how, and it's not going to be perfect. And you're going to make mistakes and uh, that's okay. 
Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that because that's exactly what it's like. You put up the boundary and then, and then, yeah, like you you have like a, you know, a full blown meltdown about it because, because you're so not used to saying no. And, and like you said, oh, being mean or, um, oh wow. It's a real, it's a real visceral feeling, isn't it? In your body. Absolutely. It's visceral and it's exhausting. Yes. Like, I know after I have really difficult conversations and this is still true for me, like after years of doing this work, like sometimes I still need to, you know, take the afternoon off or take a nap or just spend some quiet time because it still activates my nervous system. Like I'm still learning that it's safe to communicate my needs and feelings. And so I need to show my body that through self care afterwards. I love that. So, so what's the easiest way to say no when you aren't used to putting your needs first? Like, especially with people who, who like us, aren't used to it. Mm, that's such a good point. You know, it's trial and error. Um, I think that for me, I found it useful to meet myself halfway. And what I mean by that is that for me, it was really hard to just say flat out no right off the bat. It was hard for me to just be firm and concrete um, because my system interpreted that as mean. Yes. And so I gave myself permission to set boundaries in sort of a more um, accommodating manner. So I might say, for example, um, if I'm setting a boundary with my friend Cindy, like, you know, Cindy, um, you're a dear friend of mine and I don't want this to hurt you, but that didn't feel okay to me. And so could we try this instead? Mm. Like, for me, personally, sort of leading in with that loving disclaimer helped, you know, it, it made me feel safer. Um, so if just sort of saying no right off the bat really doesn't feel good for you, you can lead with positivity to make yourself and the other person feel more comfortable. And that totally makes sense. I, um, having a loving disclaimer, like who, um, because there's so much grace in that, isn't there? And I mean, unless the other person's a total asshole, like so, someone's going to accept accept you saying that to them, like right? Totally right, exactly. And I think, you know, I think um, something I've also employed before in my journey. There was a moment, you know, after a lot of therapy and, and reflection, where I realized that boundary setting was something I wanted to actively work on yeah. in my intimate relationships. And so, I straight up told certain family members and certain close friends. I said. Just so you know, um, for the next couple of weeks, I'm really working on setting boundaries. This might mean that we have to have some difficult conversations, but I need you to know that I'm doing this for my own sense of safety and my own sense of well-being. And, um, you know, I hope you can partner with me in that. Mm. And that type of disclaimer just sort of lays the groundwork for authentic conversations. And ultimately, you're doing it for your own well-being. And like you said, exactly, who can argue with that, right? Oh, I love that. And, I, you know, difficult conversations, I feel, again, it's something that we don't learn in school. And if your parents didn't teach it or you didn't, you know, learn it in your childhood, it's such a it's such a, a life skill that needs to be learnt. But it's so often not to have difficult conversations with grace and with love and with forgiveness. Like, oh, I feel like if everyone knew how to do that, the world would be a better place. I agree entirely. You know, it's a fine line. It's um, it's amazing that we're so often not taught these skills. Our only yeah. teaching is really what we're exposed to as kids, and it goes both ways. Like yeah. you know, we're a lot of our conversation is set around um, 
you know, folks who struggle to speak up at all or set boundaries. And then there's also work to be done on the other end of the spectrum where, you know, what if you are um, extremely aggressive in your boundary setting or you put up so many boundaries that they become walls? Yes. You know, there's also to be done in chipping them away on that side too. Oh my God, let's talk about that. So give us, can you give us the distinction between having healthy boundaries and having walls up? Yeah, no, that's a, it's such a cool spectrum. Like I like to think of it as sort of um, a spectrum. So in the center, we've got healthy boundaries where you have a strong sense of self, but you're also able to let others in, right? And then on one side, you have what I think of as like, you become amorphous, you become a blob, you have no boundaries. And so everything comes in, everything goes out. There's really no self there. Yeah. And then oppositely, you have, you know, you're sort of in a fortress and your boundaries are so intense and you have walls up, which means you really don't let anyone in whatsoever. Mm. And so I think this looks a little bit different for everybody, but I really think the distinction here is that when you have healthy boundaries, you have a strong enough sense of self that you're able to let other people in, in an intimate way, without really being afraid that you're going to get totally swallowed up by them. You know, like you're able to share of yourself without being afraid that you're just going to sort of, I don't know, like evaporate away. Yeah, totally. And it's, I think, um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this also, because for me, it's, it's an interesting question. It's like, how do we know when our boundaries become walls? And I think it's a question that I'm still playing with because my familiarity is in the other end of the spectrum. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I know what it is to have no boundaries, but personally, I don't know if I've experienced that of having so many boundaries that nothing gets in. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Oh, um, I am, I feel like I'm so early in the recovery process of putting up boundaries that I that's a, a complete learning process for me. Like I, I think for me, like more so probably in romantic relationships, there's definitely a distinction for me between having walls up and having healthy boundaries, um, which is something that I probably like, you know, I need to do more work on, but yeah, I don't know. I think, I think when someone has a wall up rather than a healthy boundary, like you were saying, it's like you hit that edge and you can no longer connect with that person lovingly. When you hit a wall rather than a boundary, I feel like there's a reaction rather than a graceful conversation about, hey, um, that really affected me or that really offended me or, you know, I'm having some trouble around this. Whereas when you hit a wall, people tend to go into, um, you know, yeah, I, f- I feel like there's just um, a distinction of emotion between hitting a wall and be like, nah, like it's just like pull up stumps really. Like that's all I'm seeing in my head is like, nah, um, you're not going there because they don't feel safe. Yeah, just dialoguing that has, has helped me work that out. So thank you. <laughs> you, that's, it's such a good point and you definitely opened my eyes there as well. Um, I love what you said about reactivity, totally. Like if you're hitting someone's wall there's really no invitation to connect. And so there will probably be an angry reaction that really serves to distance others. You know, at the core of walls, I think walls distance others, whereas boundaries, you know, it's counterintuitive, right? But really 
boundaries can be an invitation for connection. Oh, so Um, much. I love that you said that. Yeah. Like it's like, it's instead of a free for all, like being amorphous and having no boundaries, having some, having like healthy boundaries pretty much says, I'm excited to connect with you and let you in. Here are the terms by which I do that. So this way it can be safe and healthy for both of us. Yeah. You know, so boundaries can actually facilitate connection. Um, They don't just serve to sever it. And like deeper connection. Oh, I so just got that as you were saying that. Like it really, it really facilitates deeper connection because it's saying, hey, I'm safe in this space and you're safe in this space and let's explore our humanness together and, you know, what makes us tick and um, and what, yeah, oh, wow, I really love that. Yeah, I, I love what you just said too, like exactly explore our humanness together and I love that, like it allows for authenticity yes. because I think the thing is when you're a people pleaser and you're not having any boundaries and letting everyone in, you may be doing that, but secretly you might have some resentments underneath, which we spoke about earlier. And so boundaries, when you're able to really say your needs and set your limitations, you're actually letting yourself be as authentic as possible. And only in that condition can the deepest intimacy be facilitated. Um, and that's actually, you know, with my clients, a question I love to ask them when they're thinking about setting boundaries um, is, you know, okay, we can understand how you might benefit from this, but really, um, how might, you know, for example, how might your partner benefit from receiving this boundary? How might your relationship as a whole benefit from this? And usually there's a pretty healthy list. Yeah. Like that just totally came to me then as well. Like we were saying earlier on in the conversation, there's a lot of talk about boundaries out there now. And I guess there's almost can be like a bit of a negative connotation to it because it feels so scary and it feels like something we're not familiar with and it feels like something where you really have to be strong and firm um but talking about it in this way yeah like it really just gives you that safety and the the benefit of human connection of deeper human connection like who doesn't want that like it you have really just revolutionized the way I look and feel, I look at boundaries and the way I feel towards them now. Like it was, it really felt like such a challenge for me before, but, but framing it in that way has kind of made me excited to go out and practice. Is that weird? (laughs) (laughs) No, that's amazing. And I love that. I love that. And I love that you use the word practice because like, that's what you're doing, you know? And I love, um, I, I like to say to my clients, like, the art of boundary setting is an art. It's not a science. And I like to remember that boundaries are contextual and fluid. Yes. You know, like you might set a boundary one day because you don't want to do X, Y, Z, but then next week under different emotional circumstances, you may be able to loosen that or mm. tighten it. Yes. So your boundaries, you can take the pressure off of saying you don't need to set perfect boundaries that are going to exist forever, black and white. Oh, can we um, talk about that a little bit more? Because, yeah, 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 like how do boundaries change as we grow, like different levels of boundaries and and how do we relate to ourselves when we feel, yeah, like we set a boundary one day and then change it the next? Like what does that mean for us? Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, I know – I'm a Gemini, so I have a lot of that, like, (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) You know, being of two minds with this stuff, I've experienced that a lot. And I think there there needs to be room for kindness here. Like, really, like we've mentioned multiple times already, like, we were not taught how to do this. Mm. (laughs) And so we are like, you know, we're at the beginning of the learning curve. And so 
we need to trust that um, we're going to need to practice and really maybe even, for lack of a better phrase, like mess up a couple of times until we find the formula that works best for us. Um, I know, I guess something that comes to mind here when we're talking about how can we hold ourselves when we need to change our boundaries, the first thought is just with compassion and trusting Mm. that boundaries changing is a necessary and natural part of the process, right? Like boundaries as this thing, this container that holds us within it. Um, We, our identities and our sense of selves morph and change all the time. And so our boundaries need to morph and change all the time as a result. So that it just seems very natural to sort of expect that to be part of your process. And the second piece I'll say is just before you mentioned reactivity. And I think a huge part of my process has been learning to just take it slow and take time. Um, So before getting super activated and setting a really firm boundary or getting scared and setting none, I like to give myself time to sort of marinate and contemplate and ask, what do I really need right now? Oh my God. I Um, love that. I love that language as well. Like, give yourself, oh, I think that is just so, um, oh, for lack of a better word, that is just so fucking perfect. Like time, like we just don't give ourselves enough time in, you know, in the pace of life that we live now in the society that we live, you know, time and, and slowing down is, um, is an enemy for most of us. Um, right. oh, and I just love that, you know, that language, like to marinate in what do I want here? Like, that's so important. It's so important to, because that's what emotions are, right? That it's the feedback of the next part of where we need to grow. And if if we're not taking the time and slowing down to really unpack that and understand that and, um, and consciously choose where we want to move next, then, you know, that's when, that's when all the, all the resentments and the anger and the, you know, and just not in like not having joy and connection. That's, that's when it all comes flooding in. That's right. That's exactly right. Like that space is really, it's just the space to reflect is just as critical to the process as the act of setting the boundaries themselves, you know? And I know for me, um, and maybe for you, a, a huge part of my work in this world has been carving out intentional, regular space for journaling is huge for me. Like I journal every morning, um, almost by necessity because I require that processing space so much. And then also just quiet time. Like you're saying that rare quiet time. So we can let those whispers of our innermost selves come forward. Yeah. Uh, I'm a huge advocate of, of this kind of stuff. Like I, for the last couple of years have just sort of started doing a regular practice of coming in. Like I do a regroup once a month in it, like an, in an actual sisterhood that really helps me, um, you know, just move forward with grace because it is, you are, you are stumbling through life when you've, you know, <laughs> I think no one comes out of childhood alive. Like we all, we all have our package, right. Um, and <laughs> yeah. so and trying to unlearn that and, and learn, you know, how to be a better human and I I do something called morning pages where it's just stream of consciousness and I get it all out on the page and then it's like it sets me back to to ground zero and I'm able to really go from a place of of stillness which is um, beautiful so can you can you give us some of um, if someone's at the very beginning of this journey of 
setting boundaries and speaking their truth and learning the power of no, can you give us some really simple, easy advice about where to start and, you know, and, and how long we give the process of this? Yep, totally. Um, that is a special place to be in. You know, even if you're right at the beginning of the journey, um, it's, it's a wonderful place to be. And I have some really concrete suggestions for folks who are just tiptoeing into this work. And, you know, the premise here is start small. Um, if you're working out this muscle, you know, you don't run the 400 meter dash right out of the gates, right? You need to warm up first. And so <laughs> my suggestions are going to be about warming up that muscle. First, a couple of things that come to mind. First, you can practice saying no thanks without giving a reason in simple settings. What I mean by that is, you know, if your mom offers you a second serving at dinner, right? No thanks. Keeping it super simple um, and just really practicing the art of saying that phrase in mundane situations so that later down the road, when it's time to say it in a more emotionally charged setting, you have the literacy with that tool to do that. I also really recommend beginning to express simple preferences on simple matters. What I mean by this, um, for example, might be if your friend asks you where you'd like to go out to dinner tonight, instead of saying, oh, I don't care, you decide, actually take a moment and think about it and name a place or two you really want to go. This might sound simple, but for me, doing these tiny benchmark steps really, really helped. I'm trying to think if anything else really major. Oh, and then another huge piece of this, really the entry point, is just beginning to name and experience your feelings. Like happy, sad, anxious, whatever. Get in the habit of naming feelings when they arise. You don't need to say it out loud. But in my head, sometimes I'll just be like, I'm feeling happy or, oh, wow, I feel pretty anxious right now. And the reason that helps in the boundary setting work is because then the more you open up that channel to communicate with your emotions, you'll be able to more quickly identify when things feel off or bad or a resentment comes up, for example, and then you can act on it accordingly. Mm. So those are sort of three key steps you can take to just dip your toes into the process. Oh, I love that. I love, you know, um, a thing that comes up for me all the time is like, keep it simple, stupid. Like we just really underestimate the power of keeping it simple that like saying no, saying no without a reason. Like if you're a people pleaser, that's so fucking hard. (laughs) It's so hard. It's like, here's my 15 reasons why I said no. Yeah. (laughs) Like justifying, I just think, you know, yeah, doing this work, you're so, you're so used to justifying why, you know, or defending your position on something. So, oh, that is, um, I am going to use that awesome piece of advice saying the little no's and not having to justify it. Um, what a game changer. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. That's a good one. And it's, it's hard for me still, you know, depending on the setting, just saying a flat out no, um, it's really hard and equally rewarding when it comes out. Yes. Um, you know, and then something I wanted to mention here for the more, you know, intermediate or advanced boundary setter. Yeah. I think that I'm thinking of the times when I have had to set boundaries that 
scared the hell out of me. Yeah. Big ones. Yes. Like with family or lovers or whatever. And for me, when I first entertained the notion of setting those boundaries, the immediate response in my mind was like, oh, I could never. Oh, that's too scary. <laughs> and so really what I was doing by saying that was I was cutting my mind off from the process of just imagining what it would be like to do that. Oh, yes. And, so, and really, unless you can envision it, it's really hard to act on it. Okay. So for someone in this position, the first powerful step scares the hell out of you. Take a moment to go just through, play the movie to the end in your mind. You know, imagine yourself in front of said person, whoever, setting the boundary and just give yourself permission to like play out that scenario. Imagine yourself saying the difficult thing. You don't even have to do it right now. Just literally imagine it. And then if you want to take it one step further, maybe put your pen to paper and draft it out. Draft out the words you might say if you one day were to set this boundary. And by doing this, we make it a possibility. Because um, if we're not even allowing ourselves to go there mentally, we're not going to be able to act on it when the moment comes. Game changer, Haley. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much. <laughs> Oh, and like, especially when it comes to, like, I just love how you preference that with like, especially when it comes to family or lovers, like that's where the, like, that's where it's hardest, isn't it? Like, especially with family. (laughs) Family is the, I mean, usually that's where we learn not to set boundaries in the first place, right? So being at home there is like, yeah, for me, that's always been the hardest setting. Definitely. Like play the movie to the end. I freaking love that. Thank you so much. My pleasure. It really, I, I share these mostly just because they've really helped me. You oh, know what I mean? Like these yes. are all tools that I've had to play with. So I get it. So much. I get it. Um, before I let you go, is there anything else that we haven't spoken about to, to do with boundaries that you think really um, is essential for people to hear? Ooh, what a good question. I just, you know, we touched on this, but really just remembering that um, it is a process. It's going to be hard in the beginning. Um, and respecting the amount of time it's going to take to curate this new habit. You know, I, I think patience and self-love is critical in the process of learning how to boundary set because they provide us the um, fuel and inspiration we need to keep going when it gets hard. So yeah, recovery is like totally not linear. And some days you might find it impossible to set a boundary and some days you might be like a boundary setting queen you know, and both are okay. So I guess that would be the biggest piece of advice. Yeah. um, Oh, I really think it's important to reiterate that. Like, cause I don't think we covered that, that it can go back and forth for a bit, right? Like, like you said, just then, like sometimes it can be really easy to set boundaries and sometimes you can be kicking boundary goals and be like, yes, I'm in charge of my life. Oh my goodness. Um, and other days it's really hard and you can't do it and you, you know, you can go into that space of beating yourself up again because, because you're not setting the boundaries that you want. Um, oh, process, honoring the process. The process. Can I add one thing, Nikki, sure. really fast? Because this came up too. I think we're talking about setting sort of like realistic expectations for your process. And something I want to add here is um, there's a famous um, psychotherapist, Dr. Harriet Lerner, and she's amazing. And she talks a lot about boundary setting, especially for women in her work. And a key point she makes is that when we set boundaries, we're changing entrenched patterns in our relationships. And so even if it's with someone who loves and adores us, it's extremely natural for us to set a boundary and for them to immediately sort of push back on that boundary. 
you know, because we're changing this ecosystem that we've created with this person. And so when you go about in your boundary setting work, I think it's important to remember that at first, your boundaries might be hard for someone else to hear, even if they love and adore you. Yeah. It's very natural for them to push back. Yeah. And just remembering that and making a commitment to hold firm in your boundary um, is part of the process to be compassionate about. I hope that makes sense. Oh my God, so much. And I think, thank you for bringing that up. It was such an important part to add. Oh, imperative, like imperative to hear that, to hear yeah, because you're, and I think that's that's why it affects family so much too, right? Because you're you're changing the way in which you relate to the people in your life. You're changing the rules of the game, and people are like, "Hey, what the fuck are you doing? Like, this is this exactly. isn't what this isn't what how it goes." <laughs> I love the way you put that. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you so much for your amazingness. Oh, I just, um, there was so much in that conversation that I am going to personally walk through in my life with boundaries and, um, oh, and just changing the mindset around, you know, cause boundaries have been a really scary thing for me and really confronting and really something that I fe- felt like I wasn't good at. And so, um, exploring that framework of, or that frame setting, I should say, of looking at it like it's exciting to, yeah, play with my safety and connection then is um, oh, it's a total game changer for me. So thank you so much for taking time out and chatting with me today. I have um, super, like, just loved, 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 loved every minute of it. Oh, me too. Thank you so much for the opportunity to chat with you. And also just thank you for your extremely thoughtful questions. I feel like they gave us a chance to dive in and hit the like really important points. So, so thoughtful. Thank you. And if you want to connect with Haley to help you set clearer boundaries, she is offering quintessential being listeners 25% off her coaching package. Put your truth into action is the coaching package she has. And you just need to use the code quintessentialbeing2019 on her website, hayleymcgee.com. That's H-A-I-L-E-Y-M-A-G-E-E.com. You can also follow her on Facebook or Instagram. Just search for Haley McGee. Thanks again. Oh my God, I just applaud you so much for the work you're doing in the world. We need more people like you. Thanks for all that you do and thank you for all that you are and um, for giving us your time and energy today. I'm so, I so love it. Thank you. Thanks so much, Nikki. I had a total blast. Haley McGee talking all things boundaries with us. I just love having conversations like that one where... You start out being strangers and by the end of it, you can just find so much in common and really resonate with how someone lives their life, what they're teaching, what they're learning, all the growth stuff. I am just obsessed. (laughs) Super grateful to have Haley on the show. As always, from my heart to yours, thank you so much for listening today. And if you could take just five seconds to rate and review this podcast, wherever you listen to it, whether it's on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, I would be so appreciative. Till next time, big love. Big love.